Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. This is On Second Thoughts. I'm Virginia Prescott. I'm Helen Ellis, a New Yorker who clings to her southern accent like mayonnaise to white bread. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Southern ladies have a code. When we don't have something nice to say, we say something not so nice in a nice way. Lucky for you, I'm here to crack that code. And Helen Ellis is here in Atlanta to talk about her book, Southern Lady Code, at the Margaret Mitchell House tonight at 7. And she was nice enough to call here first. Welcome. I am so happy to be here. And I'm so happy that you are a Game of Thrones watcher so that I (laughs) could vent We have been debriefing a little bit on Game of Thrones. Yes, this is now officially the Game of Thrones podcast recap. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome. Our listenership just grew by like 900 million percent. Well, I'm so glad you're here. So, Southern Lady Code. Code, you say, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say. Say something not so nice in a nice way. So, for example, you would say, she's a character, which means drunk. Or she's an archivist, which means hoarder. Or she's creative. She's creative, which I am a creative woman, which means slob. (laughs) So you grew up in Alabama, but lived in New York City now for, what, 25 years? 25 years. So when you were 10, you moved. Aren't you wonderful? You are a good Southern lady. I think you've been here a year, and now you are officially one of us. Thank you. (laughs) So why did you move to New York City? I moved to New York City on my 22nd birthday, which was a long time ago. And I moved there because I thought that's what you did when you wanted to be a writer. You do not have to do that. And I had summer camp money from being a summer camp counselor, got on a plane, met another young woman through a chain of Alabama mamas because there were no cell phones back in 1992. And I met a woman at the Central Grand Central Station clock because our mother says be there at 12 o'clock. We were, we lived together, and I've been there ever since. Oh, that's like a movie set right there. It really was, but we were wearing high-waisted acid watch jeans. <laughs> Not so cute. <laughs> well, we do think of New Yorkers as being very direct, but are Southern ladies indirect? Direct is Southern lady code for rude. <laughs> But no, we are not indirect. I think that some people think Southern women are passive aggressive. We are not passive aggressive. We are telling you exactly what we think, but in a soft way. All you have to do is listen. So, for example, sometimes women aren't comfortable saying something straight out. So, for example, if I said to you, you don't want to go into his office because he's handsy, what would you think that I meant? Uh, that probably there's a potential there's a potential sexual encounter that there. Is that is correct. And that can be very uncomfortable for people to say. So we say he's handsy or he has trouble taking no for an answer. <laughs> and these are very nice ways to say something very predatory and scary. But all you have to do is listen. We're being direct. So we have spoken to people who, for example, a woman who moved up north when she was 12 and mm-hmm. she felt like a freak for her southern accent and tried to lose her accent. No. Did you ever think, you know, I need to lose this code or when this I, southern mess? When I first moved to New York, I thought, oh, 
I should lose the accent because so often I would go places and people would think that I was stupid, <laughs> which is not the case. Um, and then I married a New Yorker who loves my Southern accent. And I will tell you, a Southern accent is the most inexpensive and best accessory. So I cling to that accent. <laughs> so, uh, it, but there's a kind of defiance in that too. I've yes. noticed. You yes. Know, like the, for example, your your menu at your annual Christmas party. Yes. When I first moved to New York, I thought I'm going to try to be like all the fancy Upper East Side ladies, and I'm going to put um, olives and mozzarella cheese on skewers, and I'm going to make canapes, and I'm going to run my oven at 450 degrees all night long, and I never left the kitchen, and my hair never left a bun, and I thought that is no fun. People like to eat fun things. So now if you come to my house for a party, there's going to be a big (laughs) seven pound spiral cut maple glazed ham ordered because it's always like the last one you ordered with a big tray of biscuits a cheese log, and uh, onion dip with ruffles. Oh, so so no gluten-free options. Absolutely not. The <laughs> gluten-free can chew on the mistletoe or curtains. <laughs> well, you grew up with some exemplary Southern ladies. Yes. I think of your grandma. You, you painted this image of her in her white gloves holding onto her Kelly bag. Yes. And your mother who went to law school in her 40s. Yes. The idea of lady, that's often set up as demure and yes. an opposite of, you know, a contemporary self-guided woman. Was there anything demure about these women? They were very demure. I'm a very demure woman, but like my mother who went to law school at 40 and like my grandmother who took me to get birth control at uh, at 80 years old and sat very prim and proper with her Kelly bag and gloves, I am a poker player. So it's a man's world. And I sit very demurely at a poker table. I don't speak unless spoken to. When asked what I do, I say housewife. And then as the game continues, just like somebody from Game of Thrones, I quietly reach across the table and slit your throat. (laughs) (laughs) Let that be a warning. If if Helen Ellis asks you to play poker, all right, just wanted to let you know about that. But you can be quiet and powerful. You can be polite and taken seriously. You can have an accent and um, be funny and smart and kind. Mm -hmm. And these are women who grew up knowing that there are ghosts. Yes, yes. Knowing that most of the men around them are probably carrying a gun. Yes, absolutely. It's the South. Everybody has a gun. It used to be in the glove compartment, but now I think we can carry them right out in the open. I was just in um, Oxford, Mississippi at a coffee shop and a man in a gingham shirt and khaki pants with a huge gun strapped to his belt bought me a hot chocolate. And I took that hot chocolate and said, thank you very much. Uh, So yeah, we come from a place where we are ladylike, curl our hair, wear lipstick, but are very comfortable with the macabre, which is probably why you and I are so comfortable with Game of Thrones. (laughs) Helen Ellis is my guest. She is reading tonight at the Margaret Mitchell House from her book, Southern Lady Code. She's also hosts a podcast called Southern Lady Code, and it is just hilarious. I really do recommend it. Well, you also realize that your grandfather was... What? Southern effeminate? That's what we would say. (laughs) Southern effeminate. Which means? Which means, well, you know, in the South, it really is. Is he Southern effeminate or is he gay? And it was a question that we always ask of my grandfather, despite the fact that he lived with another man my entire life. Um, And it took me 25 years to write the essay um, about my grandfather, which was written with the most love. Because, you know, for me, growing up in Alabama... Nobody was out of the closet in the 80s. 
And when I moved to New York, you know, some girls moved to New York to be a big star or to be a writer. But really, I moved to New York so that at some point I might be the only woman in a room of gay men. And that happened at 42. (laughs) And it's happening in two weeks. It's a, you know, it's a wonderful place to be where people are so much themselves and especially men it's a wonderful place to be in a room of men where you do not feel threatened um, and you feel appreciated and you know my grandfather was that type of man and I'm, I'm really proud of that so that that is a really interesting thing you mm-hmm. know of, of course there were gay men in Alabama when you were growing up but there was the code I guess for it yes and they also um, I don't know did he you're not out there. You can't be out there. No, I, I know so many women, and uh, my mother, when she was in her 70s, knew at least three women whose husbands left them in their 70s to come out of the closet because they had been married all their lives. And now we're in a climate where you can be more yourself. And even if that's 70 years old, they're, you know, the last years of your life, you're coming out. But I'm not so happy for the women they left behind. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, I, I, I still see it. I wonder how it is down here. <laughs> do you spend much time down here? I do. My parents are in Birmingham, and my sister and her children live in California, so we often will meet up for sort of a Graham camp in the summertime, and it's a very easy trip. And now that I'm on tour, I am just rolling in the deep of the South and loving it. I'm getting mammed every which way, and I love it, because <laughs> nobody mams me in New York. Because ma'am is Southern, this New York code for something not so pleasant. Well, okay, so that's what I thought, too. I mean, I, I could have used you when yes. I moved down here, Helen, I must say. Yes, but ma'am is respect here. I, I, I love it. I deserve to be ma'amed. <laughs> well, when you were, when you were, when you, before you were a ma'am, yes. when you were a young lady, um, you yes. had a, a, a epic birthday party that you yes. write about in 1983. What happened at this well, party? Well, I don't want to reveal exactly what happened, but I will tell you. If a gun ha- came out. That's... I will. <laughs> That is. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. I'm yes, spoiled it. Yes, I'm going to start spoiling Game of Thrones right this minute. Um, but uh, yes, I had a 13th birthday party thrown by me, thrown for me by my parents, at which my father faked his own death. And by hiring an actor to come in and hold you went up the much part, further in the went, spoiler than I yeah, than well, I was going you to. Open the way. door and I just slid right through like a water slide. Um, but long story short, if he had done what he did in 1983 today, it would have been videotaped by everybody's phone. He would have been arrested, sued, and probably be in jail. And last week, I was in Athens, Georgia, and at Avid Bookstore, and I read that story. My parents were there, and three girls, three grown-ass ladies who were at that party were at the reading. Um, And we all attested that it really happened, but we all turned out okay. As my father said, you know, back in the 80s, there was no internet, so you had to make your own fun. (laughs) Make your own fun as the lady code for fake your death and traumatize your daughter. (laughs) But it does bring up this idea of how things were, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, there's a story, the, the first story you opened with talking about like how you used to be creative, yes. a slob, and then you've sort of neatened up as you and your husband are living together in New York. Um, and he calls you at one point uh, a dominatrix Dom- Donna Reed. 
Yes. But, yes. but that's a reference that, you know, I find myself often as a ma'am working with my young producers. Not They don't know what I'm talking about. And do, do, do people know what a Southern Lady Code is anymore? I guess that's the question. Well, I am here to teach you what a Southern Lady Code is. And not only is it a way of sort of sugarcoating the truth, um, it's also a mantra that I use to write each essay and I use to live my life, which is be funny, be honest, be kind. As I was raised, and you may have been raised this way or hear it now, every time I left the house, my mother would say, don't be ugly, which means don't you know, it's nothing to do with the way you look. It's not like, you know, Joel bleach your mustache. <laughs> it means don't be rude. Um, don't be unkind. And it's that I still keep that. Don't be ugly. Hmm. We just got a nice note on Facebook. Reggie Carter folks said, bless your heart. Tone of voice and inflection make all the difference yes. in the meaning. Bless your heart can mean anything from thank you for cleaning these squirrels out of my gutter <laughs> to... Um, it could also mean sort of like, oh, you poor thing. Like, oh, you decided to bleach your own hair with one of those caps. Bless your heart. <laughs> and I like it because it's sort of like a Southern ladies, yo mama. <laughs> Bless your heart. You are so Southern. You were at deviled eggs as pasties. <laughs> and it also can mean, you know, forget you. It's the last thing you hear before someone points a gun at you and fires. <laughs> Bless your heart. Well, Helen Ellis, do you have to be born this way or can somebody learn the art of Southern Lady Code? Yes, you can absolutely learn. And I will give you lessons on the podcast and I will give you lessons in the book. All it is is saying something not so nice in a nice way. It's not lying. It's not being passive aggressive. It's just being a little bit softer. And you can be a little bit soft and strong. I think there are a lot of lessons here for being a man married to a Southern lady. Oh, yes. My husband speaks fluent Southern lady code. The other day I was sitting around the house and he says, oh, that's a good shirt for painting. And I don't paint. (laughs) I mean, don't wear that outside the house. (laughs) Helen Ellis, what a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Helen Ellis, she's in Atlanta to talk about her book, Southern Lady Code. It's at the Margaret Mitchell House tonight at 7 o'clock. You can also listen to her Southern Lady Code podcast. Now stay with us for some insight on the man who brought music education to Cobb County, one instrument at a time. I'm Virginia Prescott. This is On Second Thought.